We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Proof today that the world has lost its mind. <laughs> okay. Because I can no longer talk about cheap phaetons. Did you see this? Oh, yes, I did. A 2004, this is first year in the U.S., W12, which is the big, expensive, scary engine, (laughs) Phaeton, sold on Bring a Trailer today. Now, I realize Bring a Trailer is also not the real world. 8,000 miles on the odometer of this one. By the way, the O4s are also the ones that you don't want. This is how much research I've done. You don't want because (laughs) those are the ones where the shocks really go bad. Yeah. But 8,000 miles looks perfect because 8,000 miles on it. It relates to the Bentley. It was built in the same factory in Dresden. I still would like to own one. But my concern is this one sold. Did you see the final tally? (laughs) $36,000. No, I did not. And you're kidding me. Uh, The world has gone mad. That... That's not okay. The, the, a Phaeton for thirty six thousand. I don't care if it. It is brand new. Well, it, it, it is brand new. Uh, it is brand new. And this is the super expensive one be, to begin with because it's the W twelve motor. Uh, but it's the first year. The shocks that go bad. The W twelve motor. I didn't look. I didn't dig into the to the whole write up. Maybe the guys had the shocks down. I, I'm not. I have no idea. And it was look. It was gorgeous for a Phaeton. It was gorgeous. But Phaetons are funny when they're twelve and below. At thirty six thousand dollars, no. Well, we now no. live in a world where Nissan or, excuse me, Toyota Supras are sold on Bring a Trailer for 120000 and immediately flip for half a million. This or is at not, least they're trying Well, but still. this is further proof that Bring a Trailer is fantastic and a terrible uh, black hole and also uh, not connected to reality in any way, shape, or form. No, it's connected to disposable income. That's what it's connected to. Wow. You've got 36000 sitting around. I'm not buying that car. I just. I don't care. I just happened. No. I just happened to follow this link right around the time. It, literally, by happenstance. It's right around the time it was about five minutes from done. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and watch this go. Oh. And it was at like 30 grand. And then the guy that won it, anytime anybody popped up with like an incremental figure, he'd throw another grand on the pile. He clearly wanted it, and it ended at 36000 <laughs> To add to his Phaeton collection? I don't know. You have to know about these cars. If you're going to spend $36,000 on one... You have to. You must know about them. You must know of their well, but, foibles and but our, I, their stuff. But I also wonder if that's a guy buying one because he thinks if it's thirty six now, it's seventy in five more years. I wonder if that's what's going on. They're back up eight, to MSRP in five it's 8, years. Eight thousand miles on it. But no, I'm sorry, yeah, no, that's that's uh-huh. insanity. That's insanity. If you came to me with thirty six thousand dollars and I'm looking for a nice sedan, <laughs> never would I get to Phaeton. And I'm the and I'm like the prophet of Phaetons. I, I love know them. you are. I, I know love you're them. the Phaeton whisperer. They're really cool. And I wouldn't buy one for five because wow. then you're buying shocks. Yeah, four hundred times seven. I would still, I would still buy one for five. But anyway, that's a whole separate. Well, thing. yeah. Well, guys, welcome to the Tuesday podcast. We've got a topic Tuesday about autocrossing that we'd we like do. to touch yeah, on. Very cool. Many of you have written to us with questions, and we'd like to get into it a little bit. We've got uh, kind of a topic Tuesday from Chris Q, who's written to us, and then another Daniel G on Instagram has has uh, written to us about autocrossing. He's just getting into autocrossing his 2008 Corolla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we've got a car debate from Michael S. in Virginia, who is daring us to convince him to buy his first fun car. I saw this. Which I'm really I like. excited about that. That's a lot of really good stuff coming up. Plus, of course, we have questions. Before we get to all of that, we have a couple things we should mention. One is... 
we're coming up this week first new episode of the season on Motor Trend Channel, which yeah. you can also get on Hulu and PlayStation View and lots yeah. of other places. Finally, this is right? Finally. Z06. This is the beginning of the seven new weeks of content. And a huge shout out right now to Covercraft, our presenting sponsor for the last few seasons Absolutely. and this season as well. They are awesome. They are awesome to us. Guys, real quick comment about Covercraft, about all of our sponsors, specifically our TV sponsors. Somebody asked, actually, what happens if I skip the ads on the podcast? Oh, yeah, I saw that. It doesn't hurt anything, but it also doesn't help. The biggest thing you can do to help this podcast, honestly, the absolute biggest thing you can do to help this podcast and to help the TV show specifically is when we give out codes for product that when we do that, it's because we like the product, by the way. Mm-hmm. Covercraft exactly. and Griots Thank are our sponsors, yeah. not just because they're cool companies, but because we use and like their stuff, honestly. We were actually customers before they were ever sponsors. Which is why Let's we pursued them. Yes. It's exactly yes. why we pursued them as sponsors. Covercraft is now offering a 10% discount to all of our listeners with the code every day, as is Griots, 10% discount on any of their products. Across the board, yep. Uh, I yep. have to say, this past weekend, I was using the Cayenne in the middle of the snowy madness and I realized, again, because I don't drive my wife's Cayenne all the time, I have the canine cover on the back seat from, cover, from Covercraft. <laughs> you need it for the doggy. Yeah, well, and also the kid. Let's be well, honest. But I should have gotten <laughs> it, it when, the they, when the they were both tiny yeah. because I got it in the last couple of years, and it is perfectly custom cut for the Cayenne. And the Cayenne's one of those back seats that, like, different sections of it can fold down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They planned for that. Like, it, it'll on Velcro, and you don't have to take it off. I've had plenty of car covers. My, my dog is 12. She's still doing very well. She's 12. I have plenty of attempts at car covers while we've had her, and they're always frustrating to put a cover on the back seat because what if I want to fold that down, or what if I want to get into that? This has thought of all of it. It fits. It doesn't move. And if you want to fold a seat, it's done. I, I know that's not the normal place you would go for Covercraft, but I used it this weekend. I thought, this is cool. i got to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, I still got teased when I parked my Audi A4 outdoors mm-hmm. under the Covercraft car cover. It was yeah, a, yeah, you know, yeah. the NOAA, you know, full outdoor weather, mm-hmm. resist everything, you know, typhoons, hurricanes. Until they saw the paint. And then everybody still teased me. And they said, you park this outside? And I said, yeah, use a car cover, don't yeah. you? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the problem here? I don't see the problem. I've the, had long experience with these things. The best way to help our show is when you need product from Griots or you need product from Covercraft. And I'm telling you, go on the Covercraft website. You'll be surprised. The sunshades, you made me a believer in sunshades. Paul. They're awesome. They're fantastic. They're the best. Go get a sunshade. Yeah. Use the code. They will see that you guys are engaging with us and engaging with them. And that helps more show happen. Well, look, it's kind of tying into some more news that we have about the podcast as it's That's continuing true. True. growing. Yeah. But you're starting to hear, you're going to be starting to hear different ads and new ads. Ads. Yep. And keep in mind that, yes, you could skip past them, as Todd said. You could just bump right past. But the advertisers that we're going after are going to be specifically curated for the companies that we know and mm-hmm. love and use and all those things. So it's not just random stuff going forward from yep. here on yeah, out. Yeah. It's going to be very much, you know, we recommend them. You know, we use them, too. Yeah. That's the headspace of where we're at. Because... You know, we feel like we're one car community with all you guys. Totally. You've totally. proved that to us time and again mm-hmm. through your social media questions, through your Topic Tuesdays, and of course your car debates. So it's, we're not going to recommend things that we would not tell you to your face in person. Yes. The, we're we're going to be pursuing a lot of different sponsors. As a result, there are some behind the scene changes happening on the podcast technology wise. And here's the bad news. I, I will admit bad news right now. 
we keep learning with the podcast, and thank mm-hmm. you guys for growing with us, what the podcast needs, how to get it hosted, all that kind of stuff. So we're moving to a different host. Right. And as a result, you may see your phone blow up with 300-plus episodes <laughs> Sorry. all of a sudden. Sorry in I advance. hope not. I we hope apologize. it's better than that. The reason we've got all these episodes uh, posted and also numbered is so that if you see something come up in the 200s, it's obviously not new content, okay? Mm-hmm. But we're mm-hmm. going to do a big transition uh, and I, I, I will admit, the gods of the internet are in charge, okay? The oh, RSS yeah. feed may do some weird things to your phone, but I promise you that the podcast will continue unbroken, and it will go on <laughs> forward, and in the next week or so, it will all be normal. But I'm just warning you now, in case you see weirdness, it's because we're doing behind-the-scenes hosting stuff on this podcast yeah. so that we can grow even more. Yeah, absolutely. So we're ironing stuff out, but we've got to jump to our topic Tuesday, which is about For autocrossing. Sure. We have touched on this before, as a matter of fact, and I think you've got a story about winter crossing. I winter crossed this weekend. Yeah. I want to get to this because Daniel G. uh, said on Instagram here, he Mm -hmm. just started autocrossing his 2008 Corolla, the appliance, yes. He's a broke college student and wanted to get into autocross. So what tips can we provide for a beginner? There's, as you said here, Daniel, lots of talk. Mm -hmm. You know, we're recommending those in lots of cases when you want to dip a toe into the pool of what a car can do and what tires can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he says, you know, after college, I'd like to get a better car, but for now, the Corolla. And then moving on to Chris Q's question here, just started listening to the podcast. Chris, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. And you were recommended to the podcast by a neighbor. So the best thing we can do is the word of mouth thing. It's just mm-hmm. like uh, uh, the movies. We, we talk about movies constantly, of course. We do, yes. And when you say, hey, you should go watch that movie. There's not anything in it for you. True. I'm just saying, true, I, true. I, I liked think it. you'd you go might and like enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, hey, I need a dentist. Like, what do I do? Like, who's your who's your doctor? I hung out with our buddy Basam this weekend. Saw him saw him this weekend. Awesome. Cool. We were with a group of people, and he made the comment. And I always appreciated the fact that he said this. He made a comment to the group. He said, well, Todd does this really cool automotive podcast. And then he kind of stopped himself. And I was like, what, what, what are you stopping yourself for? And he goes, just so you all know. It's awesome if you don't even like cars. And I thought that was really cool that, <laughs> that he said cool. that. I thought that was great. That so, is I mean, very if, you, cool. if you have somebody that you think likes cars or just think likes podcasts, they actually hopefully will like this one. Yeah, agreed. All right. So, Chris's question here is he's a Subaru driver. He has a 2015 Subaru WRX, totally stock. Mm-hmm. He's driving the car in Dallas traffic and, you know, he's enjoying the car, but he's wanting to become a better driver overall. And he's wanting to look at autocross as a way to improve driving skill. And Todd and I have always said the best upgrade and the first upgrade that you can do to your car is the driver. Yes, for sure. We talk about this all the time. Yeah, yeah. And especially with an instructor. And we'll touch on that in just a little bit. And he's saying, you know, the costs are not too high to participate in an event. But, you know, what other costs should I anticipate? Wear and tear on the car itself, tires, suspension. But then what should I watch out for when Mm -hmm. I kind of get into this? And should I actually go get a more inexpensive car that I don't mind getting beat on and trashed and that kind of stuff? I suppose you could, but many how, people don't. True. How far down That's, the rabbit hole are you going well, to go here, Chris? That's really the big this question. This is the entire point of autocrossing. Mm-hmm. It's the antithesis yeah. of autocrossing to go get a dedicated autocross car unless you're in the pro or higher categories. Yeah, if you're if you're decided this is the place Vintage, you're going classic, to compete, whatever. compete and you're like com- exactly. competing nationwide in SCCA autocross and you're traveling and that can, okay, time for a trailer and an autocross right. car. But if hopefully the reason that that I like autocross for all of you listening and for all of us in general is because it's the best way I can think of for somebody to take their personal car they drive daily yeah. and find the limits of it. 
Yes. Absolutely. You can, uh, of course, this is the beginning of this addiction. You can go nuts. You can wind up with a dedicated car with dedicated tire. I get it. But what I like about it is when else can you find a safe, that being key here, inexpensive, which is also hard, environment where you can take the car you're going to drive on Monday and sit in traffic and halfway pay attention, you can find out what that car does when it reaches its limit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to find that exactly. out because somebody just had a terrible wreck in front of you and you swerved. You would like <laughs> to have actually done something with the car prior. This is what I love the most about autocross is that back to, to Daniel who wrote in about his Corolla, Chris writing in about his WRX, take your car in its stock form on your current tires to your first autocross and go, huh, didn't know it could do that. I want you to tell your Lancer story about doing this in the winter, but I want to yes. touch on Chris's question here, a little bit of a two-parter. First of all, family. He's got a soon-to-be 14-year-old son, hello, soon-to-be 14-year-old son, mm-hmm. who thinks he might find autosports interesting, okay? <laughs> now, carts are an option sometimes at various autocrossing events. You can, you've can you got carts nearby or maybe that's... I suppose. That's, it, depends, it really depends on the group you're there with. It, yeah. Very much so. It depends on the venue, of course. And Chris is interested in finding ways to get him behind the wheel of a vehicle so he can start to gain good understanding of what a car can do now. You touched on your son's experience with K1 Speed. Totally, We've talked totally. about that a little bit, and I love how that has kind of lit up some questions from a lot of you. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, the danger part. You know, if they're not handled with care and respect and knowledge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what happens then? And that ties into his wife, who loves riding in his car, but has reservations on this whole autocross thing. Like, sure, you know, sure. What's all this then? What What are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, what's, wait, what's going wait, on? wait, wait, wait. How long have you had this car? Are you sure you want to wreck it? That's kind of the... <laughs> I mean, that's the, her biggest question, question is... Yeah, for sure. Are you going to wreck your car? Yeah. What's yeah, going to yeah. happen? Because, you Great know, questions. people here racing... Great question, of course. You know, yeah. my nephew heard the word racing. When we were doing lemons <laughs> in right. Seattle, right. yeah. I said, we're going racing. His brain envisioned... The Indy 500, sitting my, in the stands. My uncle's at the Indy 500. Cars go going get, by it, yeah. 200 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm going to go get popcorn, sit in the stands crew, and watch it. Yeah. The whole deal. And really, no. I had to backpedal and say, wait, wait, wait. Let us clarify. This is racing at its lowest form. For sure. For and sure, yeah. probably some of the best racing. Yeah, very fun. Very but, fun. Yeah. I want you to, first of all, as far as wrecking your car, keep in mind autocrossing is generally, you're racing the clock. You're not out there racing of people. Yeah, yeah, it's all time. It's usually cones in a parking lot in a yeah. nice large asphalt space, concrete pad. Yeah, totally. And unless there's light poles sticking up in the middle or concrete, you know, the sleeping policeman or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the parking barriers the sitting yeah. out there, yeah. you're gonna be fine because you're completely in control. You you don't have big barriers mm-hmm. next to you, and the speeds don't get high enough like they do on a big track. True. Well, and, and, and if somebody's setting up an autocross properly, and generally they do, setting up an autocross properly, you're never at a, a place where it's going to go wrong near things like a light pole or a bumper. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they're, they're making sure you're – these are in like stadium People parking lots. People are at lots. one end of the parking yeah, lot. They're stadium parking there. lots where there isn't anything to hit if you follow yeah. the course even close to correctly. And the thing <laughs> yeah. you're going to run over is a cone. And I have seen cars of every type imaginable eat cones and then spit them out later. I mean, it cones might get stuck up and, you know – Totally. It's happening. Cone up in the you, teeth you, of you the... You swallow a cone. That that, that went all okay. the way up. Where did that go? How do I get like, that? You, I've seen guys cars underneath cars... Making a new noise. Seriously. Guys underneath cars trying to pry cones out. They it come out happen. with the, the crazy tire marks on them. Like, you really got that <laughs> cone. But it's a cone. It's a rubber cone. Exactly. Okay? And sometimes it'll be chalk lines and the little tiny plastic cones that look kind of like a solo cup. Which is usually what they use. Those too, and, that, yeah. and all those you do is just decimate them. They're By harmless. the way, don't try to hit cones because then the poor people that are out there, which you may be yeah. one 
one of them have got to reset them. Don't well, that's do that. what autocross is all about is helping out. Everybody's got a little job. Totally. To do. Absolutely. That's part of the deal. Uh, Daniel, I want to say the legend continues responded. You got into a conversation with him back and Which forth I on like. Instagram. He offered a Some lot of great, great, great commentary yeah. there. So bravo. Kudos to you. The legend continues for, for talking there. The biggest thing I want to say to you, Daniel, that is going to build on top of that is just drive this Corolla as it is. Maybe get some yeah. different tires down the line. We'll and see. Back, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. But but drive it as it is and see how it works right now and get somebody in the car with you. You said I actually read some of the the d- discussion there, Daniel. You said you've got buddies that are really good at this and they're mm-hmm. riding with you. I think that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Same thing to you, Chris. Go on your current car, current tires for at least a, a, an event or two and get somebody riding right seat with you and or have them drive your car. And if you have the option, ride with them. Yeah. See what yeah, they're sure. doing because that's going to be so educational. If – this is the big if. If either one of you or any of you listening decide that autocross is now your thing, it's every weekend, mm-hmm. I still would take your daily car unless you're really going to decide to be competitive and, and like travel the country. But if you're like going to your local autocross every chance you get, what I would say to you is get cheap wheels and decent tires. Agreed. Because you're going that, to, that way. <laughs> That's as much money as you should spend on that car, though. Yes. Especially the Corolla. Yeah, well, you, oh, completely, completely. That is as far as but you should But what go. you're going to go through, the question came up from your family, Chris. What are you going to go through? You're going to go through tires. You're mm-hmm. going to go through brake pads. Those are consumable items anyway. If you decided you wanted to get, and I, I almost had to say to you the word hard, hardcore, but I don't want you to get so hardcore you've got a trailer. If you decide <laughs> you're going to get hardcore with your current daily car, yeah. then you keep the extra track pads and the extra set of wheels and tires for your autocrossing. If, That's if out there. you want to yeah. go that far, because I love autocrossing the most because it is just the car you're driving Monday. That's yes. what's so cool about it. Yes. I know what this car right here can do is so cool. You know, the thing with any track driving, track driving is the opposite of street driving. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean specifically braking, braking mm-hmm. zones, accelerating. It doesn't matter if you're driving the Subaru WRX or a Corolla or anything else. Yeah, your yeah, maintenance yeah. schedule needs to improve. It needs to, <laughs> to change. Oil changes need yeah. to happen sooner. You need to really be on top of brake fluid changes. Because keep in mind, I mean, mm-hmm. well, for a while, a lot of car manufacturers recommended every two years to change your brake fluid because it's hygroscopic, meaning it absorbs moisture. So yeah, yeah. needs to be changed out. That is one of the big things. I mean, it still really is, as a matter of fact. Things like that you need to pay attention to because you're so much harder on the car. The car can take it, especially for autocross. You're out there for 45 seconds yeah. for a lap, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. five or to six 45 times seconds, a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're full throttle, full brakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The yeah. tires are screaming at you, you know, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So you're just going to need to keep on top of the maintenance, but don't, don't think maintenance means... Ah, I'm eyeing the Bilsteins. What if I put Bilsteins on? <laughs> uh, no, no, do not do that. Well, because tires, the, as Todd said, are like as far as you want. Because go. the other thing that happens is, if you try to make your car awesome for autocross, you are slowly chipping away at its ability to be your good daily car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean that that's that's really that's where the problem starts to begin. Uh, so that that can certainly happen. Uh, our, our friend Nate autocrosses his FRS a lot, in yeah, Chicago he does. area, and he, he has does. a dedicated set of wheels and tires, which for is a great and way he loves of doing it. it. And he has a great time with Such that car. Way. But yet he dailies that car otherwise on normal wheels and tires, stock wheels and tires. And he's done big track events. With with that car of course too. he has. Of course he so has. it's it's kind of double duty for that. I this weekend did winter cross. It's so a thing funny. our local track does. I did it years ago with the Sabaru and then didn't do it for a while. I but, I, but I went Why out there this weekend to Utah. Yeah, yeah. Just fact. very curious about yeah. it. Went out did winter cross. Winter cross is funny because uh, it's 
it's not autocross in that it's not in a big parking lot with cones. It's actually on half of our big local racetrack, mm-hmm. but they run it like an autocross event, meaning there's the, the, you only have <laughs> what you brung. You're, you're going. There might be you don't even do a full, you don't even do a full loop. You do like everything but the front straight, and then you exit again. Okay. Yeah, okay, so it's just one lap at a time. There's then. timing at the beginning and right. timing at the end. The same right. thing I do with an autocross. They let one car out every like 45 seconds. By the way, it takes you about two two minutes so plus to get around. You're the track. released, so you're so you're plenty of distance. Yeah, you're not but near anybody. The funniest thing about this is the fact that you are technically on the racetrack. The racing line applies <laughs> if you can stay on it because they don't do anything to the track other than open it up. So was there ice in some corners? Oh yes, there was ice. There was slush. <laughs> there were conditions changing every run because it kept warming up. We st- here's the worst part That's of it. That's funny. Okay, you you I'm gonna mini rant here. You and I have done the ring and spa, mm-hmm. which I love, yeah. and we will do again this year. And what, we're gonna explain why our trip is different than other trips. There's lots of information coming about this year's trip. Side note. But what's cool about those tracks and everywhere but the U.S. is you can run on the racetrack with your windows up. In the U.S. They will tell you yeah. that you can't run anywhere with your windows up, <laughs> just not in the U.S. So we were running in 22-degree weather with our windows down. <laughs> awesome. I've been rained on at Spa, but I had the windows up in the car. I mean, because uh, you can do that everywhere else but here. So anyway, so we had the windows down all day. So I ran my first round in my big jacket with my big winter gloves on, which I don't recommend. Then it started to warm up a little bit, took my gloves off, which was much better. That's hilarious. But, but it's constant suspension movement, constant, because sure. you're running over. There's a patch of ice here, and this wheel's now in a rut. and it, So it was crazy. Did you say a Model 3 slid off the track? The dual motor Model 3? The dual 3 motor just... Model 3 was out there. Apparently, he spun in the middle of his first lap. There was a guy out there in one of those ATV Polaris things with the huge suspension travel. Pulled it oh, off a trailer, ran right. that. Oh my there was gosh. a guy out there in his normally tracks it uh, Mazda Miata uh, NA with a cage. He was out there. There was a guy in a 318 BMW with no winter tires. I think he just was out there as a normal guy that races that car because he pulled out of a garage at track the track yeah. just to see how sideways can I get and can I control it. He did actually very well in spite of that. There were four Focus RSs. There was a Civic Type R. I saw a 911 4S. Yeah, I saw that in the photos. But there was a yeah. guy in a, in a Prius that was hooning, and there was a guy in a Toyota Sequoia SUV <laughs> pushing as hard as he possibly could in a house. And then, oh, my god! But I had, I had a lot of fun in the Lancer. I got better every, every time, which is good. I did do video. There is video coming. And I was quite surprised at the tire's ability to hang on, hmm. be good for traction, and then also – not get nearly as torn up as I expected. I, that gave me a little bit of... Really? Because I, 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 I would think that would just chew right through your I expected to be done at the end of the day and be like, okay, those shoulders are gone. Right. But it's, it's not like you want to be out there in well. summer tires. Of course not. I mean, you want to be out there in winter tires, but totally. they're super soft. Totally. And, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. Now, it was a cold okay. day, but I was pleasantly surprised. So okay. there is like autocross uh, extra large because it's on a track, <laughs> but it's run like an autocross. Please dig into your local autocross group. Every group runs it a little bit different. But to you, Chris, and to you, Daniel, it's cones... Take your normal car, and then side note: for, we, Let's figure out Chris's son because I have a couple of thoughts there. I was just going to say that I was c- coming back to your fourteen-year-old son who is getting into the auto sports thing, kind of sniffing around it. Obviously, all the kinds of car events, and whenever there is stuff on TV, I mean, you can have it on in the background. You can talk about things. You can start to explain what's going on with the racing, understanding what the drivers doing, what the pit is, what the race is. If it's an endurance race or if it's yeah. a sprint yeah, or yeah. whatever that is, I mean, there's so much stuff coming, and we're just at the beginning of the year, which I'm so excited. Very cool. The motorsports yeah. calendar is just starting to wake up, which is great. So there's tons of stuff on TV. There's 
streaming stuff, all that kind of thing. And then, of course, there's Lamont to look forward to, and you and he can man, you know, either man. watch that on TV or stream it on uh, online, something like that. So those are good car shows, you know, the local cars and coffee. All those are great mm-hmm. things to feed the fire, fan the flames. But then, yeah, carding. What a great way to start getting into it because – Yeah, has he ever carded? Car control is so apparent. Everything is stripped away. Mm-hmm. There's no suspension. Mm-hmm. You're feeling everything. I mean – such great steering and great feedback and you understand yeah, the yeah. tire patch. That's really all you're doing when you're racing. Totally. You're just managing tires. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. Speed, braking, all that kind of stuff. You're just yeah. managing the tire patch itself. And it's so evident and so clear yeah. when it comes out in karting that pros, we've seen Kimi Raikkonen and everybody, mm-hmm. the pros sharpen their skills in the off season. They go karting. That's what they do. Well, and they started karting. They've been exactly. doing it since they were they really up. young. Max, Here, you know, Verstappen totally. you know, starts up through the ranks. L- Lewis Hamilton was a carter. I mean, yeah. they, they were all carters. Uh, Chris, here's the big thing I would say. I mean, there's a K1 speed, not an endorsement, but I, I use the one here. It's great. If there's a K1 speed, at least one in Dallas. I know there is. Yeah. Has your yeah. son done any karting? I mean, th- I think that's step one before you worry about a kart at an autocross. And then to, a- to answer your question, a cart at an autocross course, sure, that exists depending upon the place. Depends on the venue, yeah. Where do you get a cart? I can't answer that for your local area. But ask around when you see people in them, is there anybody that rents carts? How do they do that? Our local racetrack here, karting track here, which is a part of our racetrack, they actually have big outdoor cart series. And apparently they do have a kind of rental program for beginning drivers that I need to look into. haven't yet. But that's at our local cart track, not autocross related. But dig around. The Dallas area is bound to have it, bound to have something of the type. But I would start at your local just indoor cart track and just have him try it and see what he likes. Because mm-hmm. also at 14, he's probably big enough. This is, this is weird. This is one of the issues I have with my son karting. He's in different heats than I am. So I can't even take him out and be like, follow me, let's talk about the line. He's sure. in the little kid carts, and I'm in the big carts, and they never put us on the track at the same time. Right, when, I, right. when we went out to the karting track here at UMC, our local track, we got on the track at the same time, and that was really cool because he could follow my line, and we could talk about it afterward and that kind of stuff. Your son at 14 is probably in the bigger carts at a place like K1 Speed. You could both go. You could both drive, and you could talk about it. It'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, touching on our Focus ST Octane Academy that you and I went on. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It's like an overgrown o- autocross, really. It really was, yeah. I mean, it's just the professional yeah. level, essentially, but you're signing up to do it. As a matter of fact, it's free if, you, you know, if you've got one of the cars and you've bought one, and we decided to go sample it. So find our video, and you can actually see that it's all about small movements, yeah. And this is something, Chris, you can show to your wife. It's about small, controlled movements. The, you know, handbrake exercises mm-hmm. and going sideways and being very precise. These are all low speed, 15 and below yeah. Yeah, kinds yeah. of low speed exercises. And then you graduate throughout the day. And then mm-hmm. finally, at the end of the day, we're on the big track. But we're still in the snow tire tracks of, you know, following the leader. That yeah, kind we of wound thing. up doing tracking. But the biggest event of the whole experience was actually a large scale autocross. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. And, of course, you've got the instruction. That's the biggest thing. That's what Todd and I love, continue to do, and absolutely take is Mm -hmm. any instruction at Mm -hmm. any time. We've been doing driving a long time and driven a lot of cool tracks, but I'll take instruction anytime I can get it. We both will. And so that is continually important, and I love that you're continually doing that, Daniel, as well. That's You know, you'll you'll take a line, and the instructor says – do this next time you think what that doesn't work and if you follow their instructions Mm -hmm. exactly you'll surprise yourself for sure for sure guys we've got to take a quick break which we'll do we've got a lot of questions and other great debate coming your way we'll be back 
We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. Michael S. out in Virginia is daring us to convince him to buy his first fun car. You listen to the podcast, right, Michael? How, is, how have we not gotten there yet? How has it taken this long? There's a bit of a backstory here, which I want to touch on. He is a 28-year-old PhD student in a funded program, and he said, mm-hmm. when I started this program, I leased a Nissan Altima because the seats were comfortable to my apparently sensitive back. So this is Michael writing. Says, you know, this sensible lease ends in a few months. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, should I buy out the lease? Do I do it? If I don't get any advice, I'm just going to buy out the lease. And you'll be <laughs> happily enjoying your good seats in your Ultima. But he, but he admits, he said his next sentence is, the car is kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, comfortable works. It's been fine for him. And he's been surprised by the seats. He had a Honda Accord before, and he prefers the seats in the Ultima. But it's not, look, all of us will agree. The Ultima runs well, is a perfectly good car for normal commuting it gets good gas mileage mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. not a car designed for fun no not really okay that's just it's not not the reason it's reason i don't know if that be. even made the mood board when they were designing it no because there was a fun. C, there was a cvt and gas <sighs> mileage were the really <laughs> yeah. big circles so uh yeah it's like the the polar opposites on magnets you know the the fun and a c cvt <laughs> yeah these for some reason these won't connect i don't just, know what's going on they can't exist in the same place i, but, I don't know why but the truth is michael is Let's be honest, a responsible PhD student. So he's kind of yes, going, I, yes. I can't go nuts. I, I would spend about, I don't know, maybe 15 grand. Caution to the wind. Here we go. And I'd like to get something fun. Can I? What's nice is he's driven some stuff and he has some, some breakdowns to give us, but he's kind of going, what car can I get into that I will just like? And let's be honest. I, honestly, I don't care what you drive. I genuinely don't. I want you to love the car you drive, though. And if Absolutely. you don't, this is what this show's about. So let's help you out, Michael. Absolutely. All right. So he loves a car that is responsive, linear inputs, what meaning... He can feel what the car is doing. Mm-hmm. Not really getting that out of the Altima. And not for sure. Was not getting that out of the prior 2012 Honda Accord that he had. And he wants something that plants in the corners and, you know, some low-end torque so the car responds to the gas. Decent okay. interior. Right. It's got to be an automatic that's on the list. Partially because he doesn't yet drive manual. And here we are encouraging you to learn because, you know, it's just like learning to tie a square knot or back a boat sure. trailer down it's the ramp. Cool. So nobody, you know, on the dock is laughing at you and calling you Bayliner Bob <laughs> when your boat's upside down on the boat ramp. That, anyway, that, that had more to do with never seen you know, that. just your driving. But yeah, keep going. Anyway, all right. So the bulk of his driving is in the D.C., New York area. He does the commute between New York and Maryland. And he doesn't want a noisy car, something that kind of bounces around, you know, tram lines at 80 miles an hour. Yeah. So there's some commuting in here, but there's some fun sweepers too. Yeah. But this image thing that he's talking about here, about his persona, he's not really into the real low slung sports car kind of thing. He's having trouble seeing himself yeah. Yeah, yeah. in that. So two seaters and cars with no real luggage space are right out. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's liking the long sweeping look. Think Jaguar and the Fiat over the Miata. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought that was an interesting way to describe it is to think of it. He prefers the Fiat 124 over the Miata. Same thing underneath. Yeah, but that, does re- that is very informative, Michael. That's excellent. He says, I'd be actually the perfect buyer for the Kia Stinger if it fit my budget. Yeah. 
And of course, he's looking at the Toyota 86, the triplets, the twins, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. But, you know, he's saying, well, the sports car image just isn't really me. Hence, when he goes to the Mustang, that's out because, you know, despite the large trunk and nicer interior, it's too much of a sports car icon for his taste. Hmm, interesting. Okay. And then nothing German. <clears throat> nothing yeah, that's, that's German. It's difficult. Which meant the Golf would have been right up there, but, yep, you it's know. Out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that German cars aren't reliable. You just te- you know keep just on top of them. Of they're great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but reliability is important to him because he doesn't wrench on his car. So something pretty recent, three to five years back, low miles, reliable. And he goes through the things that he's driven, Lexus mm-hmm. IS250, the, the uh, Toyota 86, Lexus GS second gen, mm-hmm. Mazda 6, which he likes. As he likes the Acura TSX2, but I think that's too much, you know, too similar to the Honda Accord that you had yeah, before. I, I think it's quite similar to that, yeah. <laughs> and then his last last bullet point here is various SUVs. SUVs belong to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going there. Uh, he's actually personally narrowed it down to three cars that he thinks are the best options that he's given pros and cons for those. He likes the Acura TLX currently. Uh, he's wondering about those seats long term because again that's a honda product and didn't like those as much the last time he's curious about the ford focus st that's where he's going for hot hatchbacks which mm-hmm. is interesting i mean it's a compelling uh hatch for sure yeah and then the subaru brz his big issue with the subaru brz is he doesn't he wishes the interior was nicer now okay i want to stop there for a second i agree i agree it's not a really high-end interior but as a former owner it's not bad and the Altima is nice, but the Altima is not a luxury car either. The, the, mm, these true. Aren't, these aren't true. that far apart. Now, there's not incredibly nice things to look at in the BRZ interior. It's just, <laughs> it's very it's very workaday. It's, it's utilitarian in that regard. It's not designed to be flashy, whereas the Altima is very con- much more concerned. That whole era of cars, that whole segment of cars is much more concerned with you're looking at the interior and it needs to be that jewelry term that you use. It needs to be interesting to look at, yeah. even if the materials aren't great. But I submit to you, I bet a lot of the materials in an 86 chassis are the same as the ones in the Altima. It's just they didn't give you something flashy to look at. At this point, right. they've Cartier gotten, dash clock just isn't an option. That's true. At this point, they've gotten nicer, and if it really bugs you, you can actually do, and I'm not a big fan of this, but you can actually do different inserts of different materials, like the one that's in front of the airbag on the passenger side. You can change some of those materials, and it does class up the place. Yeah, it was like... um like chicken wire, like kind of hammered into a shape. <laughs> that sounds awesome. With an aluminum backing. No, that's not what it was. But I take your point. You can change <laughs> a lot of those materials, and you can make them a little bit nicer. The only reason I'm going there is not just because I, I beat on the drum of that car, because it is great, but it is in your budget. You've driven it, and you love the way it drove, and the seats worked for you. Yeah, for sure. This is already a hard combination to hit all of those boxes. It does have a usable trunk space. I think its biggest problem is the fact that you're not sure you want a sports car look. I think those cars in base form, meaning the normal base wheels, don't get a stupid loud exhaust like I did. Don't get the extra <laughs> wheels. Don't get a flashy color. Get a white, a black, mm-hmm. sure, even a silver, even though I'm not a big fan of silver. That car looks unique compared to some of the stuff around it, but it doesn't go, look at me. And it doesn't um, say flashy from an expensive standpoint. It just says fun. It doesn't even really say super-duper sports car. I'm going to go tear up the track or something like that. It just says fun car. I think it looks subtle enough that you're like, oh, that's an interesting car you bought. Not like, what did you buy? Why did you buy? (laughs) How did you buy that? No, I, I like it. I think it's really the right car for you, except for one thing, and that is the commute. 
I've never loved the 86s on the commute. They're fine, but we're weighing things out, and I come back mm-hmm. to your need for good seats. And what Todd and I have found, the best seats are those that are kind of close to a real race seat because they're the most supportive. Mm-hmm. They've got the lumbar that is more aggressive than just your typical plush, sure. yeah, yeah. you know, kind of a basic seat. You think, yeah. well, those will be okay. Well, And then you look at you know a real kind of a, a race seat. They're actually more comfortable on my back than anything. Fair point. Yeah. When you, you know? when you fit really well in a seat, it's, yeah. it's kind of beyond everything. Now you get into these, these seats like this. I've got them in the Lancer. They had them in the BRZ. Of course I have them in the Lotus. These very aggressive seats. The problem with them is they are far less adjustable, but mm-hmm. if they work mm-hmm. for you, then I typically think they're some of the best seats out there. All right. Getting to the choices. I found the right car, except it's Did not you? the right car. Uh Oh, okay. But all of you are going to be shocked at this price. Because Michael's budget is fifteen grand, right? Yeah, where'd you go? I stayed at fourteen nine 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 nine. Look at you. Okay, good. Found you a twenty fifteen BMW two twenty eight I with fifty one thousand miles. You did for just a squeak under fifteen. That's impressive. Holy a two twenty eight. A two twenty eight I, a twenty fifteen mm. that is genuinely a newish modern car. Yes. And it's new enough and it's not the M performance car that it's not the finicky BMW. Mm-hmm. It's the one that's gonna run. Mm. You take care of that, you'll get hundred and fifty. No problem. This is the concern, because I agree. Because he said no German because he's worried about the maintenance. And that's, that's why it's not the right I, car. I agree but with the you. the seats are I, right. I think it's a sports car without looking like a sports car. It's compelling. I actually thought about the prior one series for the same reason. Sure, sure. You know, get the prior one series. I mean, yeah, you take a little bit of a risk on your reliability. Well, you know what? I'm going to put it another way. You're going to spend more keeping it running. That's what I would say to you. Sure. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be reliable. Exactly. That, would I would say, is yes. the difference. And honestly, you're coming out of one of those cars. We talked about it before. The Ultima is a great example. A car that runs in spite of you, not because of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maintenance intervals? I don't care. The BMW cares. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say yeah. that it's... Uh, but it's not it's, the finicky, worth, high-strung, crazy supercar M car. I think it's worth taking a look at. I lo- I can't believe you found a two twenty eight for under fifteen. I can't either. I think it's a compelling it's a compelling alternative to at least drive. And if we're gonna go there, honestly, you say you've avoided German. Have you driven the Golf? Because you said you're wondering if the Golf would be an option. Have you even driven it? People Have drive you golfs. The GTI? They drive golfs with high mileage. I, I just I wonder about that. Now, yeah. I, now I'll say it again. I've said it before. Everybody I know with a GTI is in one of two camps. They've never had anything go wrong, or they can't get it out of the shop. <laughs> it's a money pit. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. I don't know why. And it's not even like the guy that's the car guy has the one that runs. It's just dice roll. Okay, <laughs> I can't know. explain that about GTIs. Yeah, I don't know. BMWs. I've known a lot of people with the with BMWs that all they do is run. So I. I I see you're in wildcard territory, but you checked so many boxes, though. Yeah, because the seats, yeah. it's sports yeah. car. It's FRS. BMW does the FRS without mm-hmm. doing flashy sports car. Because people mm-hmm. see that and be like, oh, cool, you got a BMW. Wow, you got a BMW. Mm-hmm. No, I paid fifteen grand. Yeah. There's other ones on there with a lot higher miles, but sure. this one, 51000 cool. That's good. That's good. Wow. But where I'm landing for you, Michael, okay. and I'm leaving you with this, since you were Ultima guy, you're currently Ultima guy, yeah, yeah, staying yeah. in the same family, 2012 or 2013 Infiniti G37 Coupe. I wondered. 
I wondered if you'd go there. You could do the sedan if you mm-hmm. want to. I like the styling of the coupe better. Agreed. It's fun. It's cool looking. It's not flashy sports car. It's just solid. Mm-hmm. And you're in the Nissan camp. You're already there. True. They're but you go rear wheel drive. It's yep. going to be much more fun to drive yep. for sure. I really like that. That's compelling. And that's where I'm landing for you, Michael. I love that. And actually, it's interesting because I went a similar place. Did you? I was thinking of alternatives for Michael. Okay. I love that Infinity. I love that you brought it up. In a similar vein, drive a Genesis Coupe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, the, the biggest question I have with the Genesis Coupe versus the Infinity is what seats work for you? I think that's going to be the deciding factor. Sure. The Genesis has got a nicer interior. It's a nicer place to be and a larger place to be than the BRZ FRS. Yeah. It's a nicer interior. But yeah. I don't like the seats as much personally. But how do they fit for you, Michael? Right. I think yeah. I think if you got in the Infinity and the and the Genesis and the BRZ and just said, which is my car based on driving feel and seats, you personally will know which one of those three is you. I think it's time for lots and lots of social media questions, of which there are always more than we can handle. Christopher's question earlier about skipping commercials on the podcast, hopefully we covered that well, so I won't go back to that one. Michael Newsom had a question where he said, what currently made car do you think would most be improved by having a manual transmission option? Pondering this, you know what I think it might be? Alpha 4C. Because I think that car, we've talked, we've talked about that car in pros and cons. That car is a very polarizing car for you and me. But I think where it's at its best is the Sunday drive mentality. I think that's where that car shines yeah. the most. Yeah. And I think in that world, you're not commuting in it. Wouldn't it be cool to have a manual to row as well? Wouldn't that just solidify yeah. that experience even further? Yeah, since you're not going to be pushing it you know, super hard on track and that kind of thing. It's and just- it's... The the transmission in that it's it's a it's a traditional automatic acting like a dual clutch, it, but it's not the world's greatest transmission anyway. It, it's it's perfectly good. Don't get me wrong; I don't have any major issues with it, but it's not this amazing dual clutch transmission anyway. So let's give that a manual and just mm-hmm. embrace what it is. Continuing the line of questioning from the legend continues on Instagram. If Everyday Driver were to do a special, like the Grand Tour's recent oh, Columbia assignment, this, yeah. Yeah, spoiler yeah. alert, where would it be and what would the, be the cars we would drive? Hmm. I have settled on my answer. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. The I'm taking notes. location, I think, uh, well, you know, my family live in Alaska. Yeah. Alaska yeah, yeah. is called the Last Frontier. That is True. the name of it. Yes, yes. It was only, it only became a state in 1959. So think about this. Mm-hmm. It was just, it's just this <laughs> landmass up there. It's ours, but we're not real sure about what to do like, with it yet. Yeah. At the turn of, well, you know. Yeah. 19th century, 20th century. Yeah, it's crazy. It was just, we're not sure. I think there's a lot of resources up there, and after you know visiting there a lot and going fishing a lot, my dad had a house there up until May of 2018, mm-hmm. and I mean we'd find chunks of coal on the beach, wow, and go home and burn them, and they would burn all night long. They just glow. Wow, this is coal wow, wow, off wow. the beach, and fish, huge fish, and animals galore, and so many wonderful resources. Hmm. Okay, it's all a right. harsh land. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the. The series, fighting the the wilderness, digging for gold. (laughs) But I would do it in an Earth Cruiser, which is essentially a Mercedes Unimog underneath. I want a Unimog. All right. Okay, I see that. Earth Cruiser Australia builds these. They're totally awesome. Wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want the Earth Roamer, which is built in Colorado. It's the the F450 and 550. But I think the Unimog is going to do better on the four-wheel drive, the crazy off-road stuff. 
I like it. Unimog. I, like I, I just want an excuse to drive a Unimog. I see it. I see it. I my nobody's going to be surprised by this. I would like to take sports cars on huge journeys, and I mean sports cars, not rally eyes sports cars. Actual like sports cars, regular sports. Yeah, like when the guys yeah. did. I forget where the, where they were, but oh, it was it was their South America tour, and and James mm-hmm. May had his uh, had his Lotus Esprit that inexplicably just ran. You know, taking sports cars where they don't belong is fascinating to me. I think that's really interesting. But actually on roads, I mean, I could think about the Alcan Highway going from Vancouver to uh, oh, to Alaska. Yeah. I'd love to do that with a couple of sports oh, cars. Yeah. I'd love to do Australia, huge sections of Australia. I'd love to explore New Zealand. Just doing oh, these yeah. kind of things. Heck yeah. uh, of course, look, it's obvious at some point I want to do this with my wife, but I, so it's not even an everyday driver trip necessarily, but uh, obviously the Mediterranean coast from Portugal all the way through, all the way through to Greece, just in in a, a car or cool cars and explore the coastline. It'd be amazing. But on the adventure side, it's those those long stretches of nothing, like the Alcan and the Outback and portions of New Zealand. I realize New Zealand is significantly smaller than the Outback, but you get my point. Sure. All right. Design question from Greg L on Facebook, asking, "What one change would I make to the <clears throat> styling changes on the new Porsche 992, Uh-oh. other than the sport design front grille?" Well, even though it does kind of technically have a front grill now, and it actually is utilized by some radiators back there, mm-hmm. think about this. The 911 never originally had a front grill. Very good point. Never part of the design. It's morphed and changed, and now it kind of needs it because, you know, of all the airflow and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. But originally, it never was that way. I would kind of look backwards, even though, you know, there's a lot of airflow and, you know, you want that front air dam for, for aerodynamics. Yeah. I liked actually the 991 generation. I liked mm. what, what was going on. And I, yeah. I liked the GT3, as a matter of fact. I would explore variations on that. Okay. And, yeah, just try to sketch out some, some different variations. I, you know they went through pages of sketches for the new 992. Mm-hmm. What is the character of the car? What will it say? <laughs> Let's bring the black all the way down to the apron and then the... Yeah. <sighs> Pictures of people in Los Angeles who are going to buy the car. I understand, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is where it went. Pictures of producers it. in yeah, Los Angeles. That's the only people who are going to lease one. Pictures of it in silver because it's it going to sell in silver. Yeah, 17,000 miles because this is old and janky and we're done with that. They leased it and now they're finished, which is when all the rest of us buy them. Exactly. I get it. Yeah, totally. That's funny. I, I'd explore variations on that, but it'd be along the lines of the GT3, something aggressive but clean, simplified, along those lines. Okay. Doctor, I think it's Dr. Seti. I'm not sure on Instagram. On our last podcast, we talked about a first-gen Cayenne as a recommendation. Of course, I have a first-gen Cayenne. What uh, he said, uh, we actually talked about it being good, fairly reliable, but can be expensive to maintain. How do we feel about the same generation that's first-gen Volkswagen Touareg? Touareg. Exactly. The Touareg. The Touareg. I love that commercial, actually. It was a great commercial. It's one of my favorites. So funny. Here's the thing on these, actually, that I want to clarify. The, The Cayenne. The first gen, all the Porsches do a 0.1 and 0.2, which is the halfway through the, the generation refresh. Mm-hmm. I have a 0.2, so the second half of the first gen Cayenne. They came out in 03. They didn't make them in 07. Yeah, right, right. The 03s to 06s were far more problem-prone than the later Cayennes. I bought a 2010, which is the last of, the, of that first generation. But the 8.9s and 10s were significantly more reliable than the early ones. I say all that to say this. Everyone I knew with a Toreg, especially an early one, was a money pit. Now, that might just hmm. be related to the early problems that they had with the Cayenne because there were far more problems with the early Cayennes. 
okay? Now, there are ways to fix those. I know people are going to write and say, I have an 06 and it runs like crazy. I know that those are out there. But honestly, everyone I knew that had an early Toreg couldn't get rid of it fast enough. And it might relate to those early problems with the Cayenne, but that was what I heard. Sound like Land Rover Discoveries. Can't get rid of it fast enough. Seriously, it's just, why, is, why can't I get this out of the shop? Please, please take it back. All right, Allison M., I found my answer to your question here. Uh-oh. She saw the new Toyota Avalon okay. this morning, she says. What do I think of it? She saw one and cursed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I have now, my answer. That's Allison. how the Countach got named, by the way. But this is going the other direction. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, seeing a, the new 2019 Avalon for the first time mm-hmm. is exactly like the first time you went into a health food store and you had your first sip of wheatgrass. <laughs> the, you know when the they tear the grass off the thing and they pull it through the blender and it it's makes this be green great. liquidy goo okay. with chunks in yeah. it, and you take a sip and then you think. Why? Why do people drink this? <laughs> You're going to get letters. Why, I love it. Why? Why? Why would I drink this stuff? Yeah. Okay. All it's right. It's the first taste that you had of earth, <laughs> of a barnyard or a you're, garden. Your li- liquid earth. <laughs> Have a big gulp you, of that. You, you, you're shocked. You're wondering why? Why would people buy that? That why? exists. It's fussy. There's some things about it that are overdone, and there's a shoulder line that is the escalator to nowhere, like on The Simpsons. It mm. drops off into oblivion. It just, yeah, right off. <laughs> well, Toyota and everybody are struggling with, we have one front end that goes on every vehicle, and that just doesn't work. I don't care who no. you are, it does not work. Hmm. Yeah, i I, I got to close the browser window now. <laughs> got to stop looking at that. Awkward Rogue had a good question. I'm going to try not to go too far on this, but he said he, he gets the impression there's quite a few times when I, uh, I get locked in a closet and have to edit. Why can't I get some help? Is kind of what he's asking. Let, let me let me clarify this. Uh, Paul and I, as you as you, I probably, just let you out for podcast. Exactly. I, Guess uh, what I'm time just, it is? I'm, I'm chained to the wall in an edit room. No, that's actually not the case. Uh, look, there's a lot of editing that goes on, and I I do admit to taking on the lion's share of it, and I do that somewhat willingly. I mean, I I say somewhat because I would more be more than happy to pass it around. But here's here's the clarification of what goes on. As you probably know, Paul and I stepped into the show full time in the last calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch, we did a, a live uh, video when we began our uh, American Original Corvette premiere. There were five of us on stage. It was all five of us that had worked on the film. So it was Paul and I and Chance and Edgar and Ben. And I really thought since then, I was like, you know what? I could create an amazing amount of content with these five guys yeah. if we were all yeah. full-time on the show. Unfortunately, we are not all full-time on the show right now. I get plenty of help in what would be normally described as assistant editor roles, which is we've just got mountains of footage, and it's got to be organized, and it's got to be selects pulled, and it's got to be here's the really good stuff, which just allows me to sit down and just do the edit. I don't have a problem with letting even that part go and going over more into an oversee role, but... If we're not going to pay somebody to work hard, I want that person to be me. I don't want to be calling up somebody and and beating on them to work harder when they're not getting paid well enough. This is the reality of being an entrepreneur or being people that run the place is that if something's got to be done at 2 o'clock in the morning, you don't call somebody else because you can't pay them. You do it yourself. So this is why I end up doing a lot of the editing. But but Chance helps me a ton. Paul helps me a lot. Ben's done editing for us. So has Edgar. Others have through the years. I hope that only becomes more the case. Mm-hmm, but sure. look, if there's deadlines, I also have a workflow that is very efficient at this point, and I've also got the largest amount of post-production experience of any of us. So if there's some sort of weird anomaly, everybody's going to call me anyway and go, what's going on here? Which mm-hmm. is fine. That's that's the back history I have in my head. So a lot of times it's just, a, oh, let me just jump into that problem and I'll solve it. 
hopefully that helps. Sure. Look, I mean, you know, editing the podcast, you know, dead air and sneezes and all that kind of stuff yeah, in the podcast. You, you do so all I'm, that. Yeah. I'm pushing the podcast edit and yep. I would liken it to Big Brother. I've said this before to a number of people I can't remember, so I'll say it publicly. That yes. is like the worst of, you know, you and the editor behind the scenes. If there's some sort of clip of you at your worst and you're it will you be said something that is going to offend half of humanity and you know you're walking around with your hair looking like you combed it with a blowtorch and yeah. just not at your best you're yes. not at your most composed that's going in because yeah. you look like an idiot i'm putting that footage in yeah not that there's stuff behind the scenes that todd and i you know people have asked for outtakes which i think we're still kind of sometimes mulling. we do sometimes we do there's, there's a ton you know, of not that there's the a ton of footage film. back here we're like whoa oh. that we're never letting that out yeah. it's just we've got to make a television show mm-hmm. there's so much good commentary that just can't go in because there's mountains true. of it true true is a lot but we've got to sort through it all but anyway the point is art direction you know we'd still have final say you'd still have final art direction mm-hmm. as a you know a producer an editor a writer a storyteller mm-hmm. and you find that storyline through everything and curate our personalities that way and our hopefully you know, things that we hopefully. say on camera and that's why you're and you do an amazing job at it I appreciate which is pretty it. cool I appreciate it. I hope. so it's you know editors that you know would work for us like they might pick that line we think no no no, don't put that in there because well yeah, yeah you know yeah. we don't want it you know the piece to be that way we you want can to curate something. this sure. story about these cars totally. or what we're feeling like i said not that there's all this mountains of footage about all this crazy stuff we're saying behind no, the but, scenes but, it's, but you know what i mean but editing is about refining and getting the story to to work right and it's harder for some editors than others but it's but it's a skill that can be taught and i would love to have a full staff of people working and we're and look 2019 we're working on some major changes for growth and we hope that that'll be more the reality i'll hey i'll accept help anyway <laughs> all right nate garfield's question on instagram how would we explain the feeling and driving characteristics of a rear-wheel drive car and why do enthusiasts seek after it hmm. to someone, you know, who has only driven all-wheel drive? Well, think about the separation of steering and power. Think about these. They're two separate things and controlling them independently, but then putting them together when you're kind of steering with your right foot, we say jokingly. That's the control and the skill level that mm-hmm. enthusiasts are seeking. Whereas all-wheel drive will pull you through the corner. Sure. You just add power and it'll pull you. Or, you know, you just... Or understeer sh- mightily. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, sometimes you got to unwind the steering wheel and then add, th- add throttle mm-hmm. and the car will do it for you. So there's less of the car doing things for you and more of you taking the rear-wheel drive. I'm controlling the power with my right foot. That is independent of my hands, controlling mm-hmm. the steering and the direction of the car. But yeah. now they actually are related. And that control, that skill, and feeling that car as you push the car harder and harder, they become even more intertwined. And the car isn't doing it for you anymore. Mm. It's all about you. It's clarity of inputs. I mean, that's the reality yeah. of what happens. You, you, you now have disconnected the two. And I would say the best way for, for you or anyone that wants to understand a rear-wheel drive car is find a road with corners – and drive it at a leisurely pace. I'm not even mm. saying fast. Drive it at a leisurely pace and feel how different it is when you put a car into a corner and there's nothing for the wheels to do but rotate the vehicle. Mm. And, and that doesn't feel like any other drive. And it certainly doesn't feel like all-wheel drive. I say as somebody that owns a Lotus and a Lancer, trust me, there's a major difference in the way those two go around a corner. Yeah, Both right. can be fun, but the difference is striking. Gosh, I love some of these questions. We can't get to them all, but we'll turn them into Topic Tuesdays or something like that. There's so many. Guys, thank you. This is amazing. All right, what others did you have? 
Well, we've got a ton as always. Let's see what else I've got here. Oh, you know what? Super Mario wrote in on Instagram and said, how many miles on the Lotus? It's about 64,000. Do I have a place where I will stop tracking it or driving it hard? Nope. I mean, I, honestly, any car, as it starts to get miles, all of, well, any car, even when it sits, so like that $36,000 Phaeton's an example. No, here's the no thing. Kidding. Any car over time is going to need stuff replaced. If you're going to drive a car hard, you're just going to wear stuff out faster, but most parts can be replaced. Uh, the Lotus doesn't have any, very, really any frills. So there are certain things that are known to wear out, and most of the rest of it just keeps working. So I will replace the parts that are necessary and drive it until at some point I'll probably raffle it off. So I, I don't feel yeah. like there's a yeah. reason to not drive that car hard. Uh, but it, it, let's be honest, in any car you do that with, it just comes down to money of, uh-oh, i got to replace that now. So that means you're never safariizing the Lancer? Is that what all this I means? I don't think so. It's safari enough for me already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the mud flaps alone, that's like, we're good, right? <laughs> well, it, I'm driving it as designed. <laughs> that's the thing. That, there True. you go. Except for the exhaust. Oh, but I want to go back to the stock exhaust and the too. Tune. Yeah. Anyway, let's and the we'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. It's not. It hasn't been rally. It says rally armor on it, but it has not been <laughs> jacked up and given knobbies. Exactly. Anyway, but at least that car could get away with it compared to the Lotus. It can. It anyway. can. Yeah. True. All right. So last question for me from Peter R. Facebook: If they had to, which car maker should Tesla merge with? That's good. Bit controversial, but nobody. They should stand alone or die. Hmm. I don't think they should merge with anybody. There is a major difference in approach between them and pretty much any automaker that that go with. The only reason they would merge is because they're being absorbed because all of the pieces are falling. True, but I think they should – honestly, I think they need to fly. I want them to fly. I want them to succeed. But otherwise, I want – if they don't for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. there's other car manufacturers that are so far along the road – building electric cars from a car building standpoint not from a software coding standpoint yeah like yeah, we've yeah. talked about yeah not that that doesn't have its place and it isn't necessary and isn't valuable information it very much is but i want them to succeed and i want you know all the tax credits to go away and i want them to fly on their own i mm-hmm. really do mm-hmm. i think they've just kicked all the automakers in the teeth and kick-started new car thinking. I this really do. This next year or so is really interesting in that I think area. They, they really should good. be credited for that. Yeah, for sure. And it's awesome, but I don't know that other car manufacturers would willingly do that because the dichotomy is so great. The, the ethos, the thinking is so different between the companies. I don't know if it'd work anyway. I, yeah, I don't know how they'd, how they'd merge, how that would work. I hear you. Crazy. Crazy to think about. Guys, thank you a million for questions. As I always say, if you've got car debates, Topic Tuesdays, write to us at everydaydrivertv mm-hmm. at gmail.com or the contact button under the About tab on the website, everydaydriver.com. And then the social media questions, stuff that's on your mind, latest news, that kind of thing. There's a ton of stuff coming. And remember, American Original, all of our feature films are going to be on Amazon. Actually, our last two pilgrimage and mitigation mountains are headed to Amazon in the week week or so to come. Season four is coming to Amazon, but season four, more importantly, is about to be starting premieres on the Motor Trend channel yeah. beginning this Saturday. Of course, that'll wind up on Amazon as well. If you're watching it anywhere, we would love for you to rate the show, rate the feature films. That helps other people find them, so we greatly appreciate that. Rate the podcast as well. Yes, and rate the show and leave a review where you consume the content. That be great it'd be really helpful because yeah. then you know we know where that came from mm-hmm. what what you're consuming completely you know, where you're where you're consuming it from thanks a million looking forward to next time cheers everyone